Amen. All right. I guess we can go home because Pastor Turner already preached my sermon. I just, I just play it. No, no, no. That was wonderful. Thanks, Pastor. I appreciate all that this church has meant to me. And you know what? I want to be on the train when God is moving. I don't know about you. When God is working, I want to be involved in that business. And Brother Joey, I hope you can hear me okay. Uh, if we got to adjust the, the levels on anything, just let me know. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm telling you, man, uh, the word is incredible. It'll change your life. I always say to our teens, the truth will set you free, but it first must make you miserable. The truth will set you free, but it first must make you miserable. And uh, we, church, let's study the word today. I think God has something special for us. As you can tell by the screen that you've already probably seen, uh, the title of the message this evening is, Without Me Ye Can Do Nothing. So please turn in the Word of God, if you would, to John chapter number 15. Uh, John chapter 15. I know God has something special for us. Amen. And as you're turning, can I just say I want to second everything that Pastor Turner said, everything that he said about Sunday. What a tremendous anniversary service we had. God blessed in a really powerful way. I saw people that I haven't seen forever. Um, we, we saw uh, so many visitors come to church for the very first time, and I was, I was just blessed to see Vancouver represented, the greater Vancouver area represented, just looking at the sea of faces while I was song leading, just seeing the crowd, seeing the crowd. Um, man, the world comes here. It's almost like you don't have to travel, right? But uh, really, um, Vancouver, what a wonderful place. And God certainly worked through our anniversary. Be praying for those who expressed the sentiment that they might be with us next Sunday. And um, I, just, I know it's not about the numbers, and I say that as often as I can because I never want to get um, short-sighted and uh, foolish about it. Ah, here's a number. Mind every number is a soul. Mind every number is a person. And um, so to get 166 people under the sound preaching of the Word of God. What a wonderful thing. That's a miracle here in Vancouver. And um, Brother Jonah as well. If you haven't met Brother Jonah, uh, you need to. You're really missing out on uh, really helping your own Christian life and being encouragement to him. He's been uh, tremendous so far. Um, our hearts are in it. I was so encouraged um, to have him uh, part uh, here at Anchor Baptist Church. I know he's just here uh, with us for eight weeks, but you know, we chatted a little bit in school, you know, maybe two or three times. And, um, yeah, he's from Canoga Park in California. I'm not going to uh, steal your thunder or steal your testimony because uh, at some point um, I'm sure he'll want to tell you all about what God's done in his life and why and how he's here. Uh, but he has, he has a heart to serve the Lord. Amen. All of us can Amen. learn something from that. And uh, we were able to reminisce about school and life and the Lord. And you know what they say, you know, when the cat is away, the mice will play. And so uh, we had a time when Pastor Turner was uh, gone, right? So, very good. I was in the, mor I was in the morning, uh, just in the Word, once again, I was telling Jonah about what I read earlier today. I read Psalm chapter 30, verse 5, I promise we'll get to this. For his anger, speaking of God, his anger endureth but a moment. In God's favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Hey, we're still living by the Word this year. And... Uh, uh, something I'm always asking myself. Did I spend time with Jesus today? Did I check a box, or did I really meet with the Savior? That's good, isn't it? Man, like, eat well. Eat well in the morning. Start your day with a big breakfast. Get good helping of God's Word. All right, so let us see 
if uh, we can get through this introduction. Think of this. Think of this. Early African converts to Christianity were earnest and regular in private devotions. Each one reportedly had a separate spot in the thicket where he would pour out his heart to God. And over time, the paths to these places became well-worn. And as a result, if one of these believers began to neglect prayer, it was soon apparent to the others, uh, and they would kindly remind the negligent uh, uh, one, brother, the grass grows on your path. Brother, the grass grows on your path. So I ask you today, does your path have grass on it? Does the grass grow on your path, my brother? Does the grass grow on your path, my sister? Hey, uh, God wants to meet with you in the morning. And I just, just read about uh, Psalm 30, verse 5, in his favor is life. When God places his favor on anything, life's flowers blossom and bloom. His provision is marvelous. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He, he always makes everything beautiful in his time, Ecclesiastes 3 says. I'm just glad that God is the God of second chance. And if you've gotten away from God, let me tell you today that our God is the God of second chance. If you read the Word of God, you'll hear stories and read stories about men and women who got away from God and who got back to God because God does not mistake the moment for the man. God does not mistake the moment for the man. And Scripture, the Bible, is a picture of people who've gotten away from God and yet have gotten back to God. And David, the man after God's own heart, what a mighty, wonderful man uh, that he was. But David got away from God. David committed a horrible sin. One may say, uh, David was only human. Listen, he was desperately wicked, just like you and me, overtaken in a fault. Uh, but uh, listen, uh, any of us are capable of making that same mistake. And yet he prayed that prayer in Psalm 51. God brought him back. He prayed, Lord, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And Thank God. God did that in his life. God gave them a second chance. Our God is the God of second chance. Consider this. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Christian, are you weak today? The joy of the Lord is your strength. He is your strength. He is your provision. Through sin, we've all turned our backs on God. We've chosen uh, to go our own way. We separated ourselves uh, from God through time and, and, and for eternity. And the good news is that God loved us too much to let us go, to bring us back. Jesus, also known as the Word, Amen. was with God. And the Word was God. Jesus is God. And Jesus was made flesh and dwelt among us. And after 33 years of teaching us and feeding us, we spat in His face. Uh, he was being good to us, and we betrayed him, and we hung him like a piece of meat on an old rugged cross. And all this was necessary in the plan of God to pay the price for our sin and reconcile us to God. But when you stop and think of all that God had to do, yeah. and all Jesus went through to open the door of salvation for you, it really isn't amazing that Jesus is the only way. It's amazing that there's a way at all. I like what that author wrote. If there were a thousand ways to heaven, uh, we'd look for a thousand and one. 
Isn't that true? There's only one way to heaven, and uh, that is through the good news. And the good news is that anyone can enter in through that door. Jesus said, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. And I can tell you on the authority of God's word that he wants every man, woman, boy, and girl, every mother's child on planet earth to walk through the door of salvation. And Jesus wants you to walk through the door if you never have. The same way you're saved is the same way you're sanctified. Many of us here are saved from the wrath of God. We're heaven bound. The same way you met God is the same way you grow up in him. Simply Jesus himself. Just Jesus, simple as J-E-S-U-S. Jesus, will thou not revive us again? And until you and I realize uh, to be revived simply just looks like Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God always points you to Jesus. And so get to know him. <laughs> his Spirit never disagrees with his word. So let's study it tonight. Look at John 15. John 15, look at verse number one with me, please. John 15, verse 1, the gospel according to John, chapter 15, verse number 1, inspired scripture reads like this. I am the true vine, my father is the husbandman. Jesus said, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, thank you for the word of God. I pray that you would use it in our lives mightily and powerfully. Lord, you are the preacher today. May we follow our chief shepherd. Please guide my tongue, guide my mind, my heart, my words. May you receive all the glory and honor and praise uh, for what is said and done today. We love you, Lord. Thank you for loving us first. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Ye are clean through the word. Ye are clean through the word. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. A young man. Oh, I feel like a young man. I hope I'm a young man. I think I'm a young man. But regardless of the age. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? How? By taking heed according to the word of God. God has a plan for each and every one of our lives, but we have to listen, and we need to be clean through the word. I got to tell you, man, ain't no high like the most high. You know why it's tough to be a preacher? Because you can't tell people to walk with God if you don't walk with God. And so if you pray for pastor, if you pray for me, pray for anybody who's ever preached, pray for people who uh, do preach. It's a big thing. It's the Lord's book. It's the only book he's written, um, uh, this side of heaven for us to read. I don't got a sermon, but God has a message. And so the passage we're about to study this evening was really the key uh, that unlocked some understanding for me. I realized that real joy is not of me. Real happiness is not through uh, cars, money, uh, romance, or uh, material possessions, or whatever, it's all uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. So I'm not here for a long time, I hope. I'm here for a good time, amen. So uh, I'll do my best. Uh, I have no 
intention, zero intention of preaching too long today. We pray in that little room on the 6-8 side, 7768 Wedgwood Street in pastor's office. Um, Lord, we know that without you, we can do nothing. I've heard so many men pray that prayer in that office. Call it to me, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I hope you've dialed God's phone number, Jeremiah 33.3. I hope you've done that maybe this week. You're thinking of your job. You're thinking of your family. You're thinking of difficult circumstances in your life. Hope you call out to God for great and mighty things. I got six words. I got six bullets in this gospel gun, and so I have a few for you, and they're all right here in the text. If words have meaning and language has integrity, then ideas matter. Therefore, I challenge all of you to read your Bible slow enough and intentionally enough and with repetition in order to fully comprehend what God wants to say to you and to me at any given moment. These six words, look at verse 5, the last six words of that verse. Without me, ye can do nothing. Without me, ye can do nothing. The first word, without. Have you ever done without something so that someone else can do with? Um, <laughs> um, you know, uh, Growing up in a Filipino family, we had to divide every piece of pie into five. Or maybe mom would go without, you know. Uh, she would go without, but, you know, she can still breathe. She can still live. She's doing all right. And uh, you get to a certain age where you feel sorry for her, but, you know, you still like the home cooking. So what do you do? There's that uh, quandary there. Hey, someone can do without glasses, you know. Things are blurry, but they can still see. I struggle without these bifocals. But... If you try to do life without Jesus, oh man, like to do without wisdom is foolish, but to do life without Jesus is fatal. So don't mess up your life. Don't go without Jesus. The second word, me. Who is he? What's so special about God anyway? We had some individuals even visit us in recent days, just wander into the office and have questions, have questions. Is, is the Bible really true? Who is this God anyway? What's so special about him? Is he really God? Is, is, he, is, he, is there really a heaven? Is there really a hell? What's so special about God? Well, let me tell you uh, what he means to me. He's the lily of the valley. He's the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. Let me make it clear and plain. The heavens of heavens can't explain him, let alone a man explain him. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows his handiwork. There are no means of measure that can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his shore supplies. No barriers uh, can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's impartially merciful. He's God's son. He's the sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone as the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem in high criticism. He's the superlative of everything good you choose to call him. He's strong. He guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivered the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent and beautifies the meek. He's the key of knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. 
He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway to glory. His office is manifold. His promise is sure. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. More than 2,000 years ago, there was a man that was born contrary to the laws of life. He lived in poverty and was reared in obscurity. He did not travel extensively. Only uh, once did he cross the boundary of the country in which he lived, and that was during his exile in childhood. He possessed neither wealth nor influence. His relatives were inconspicuous and had neither training nor formal education. In infancy, he startled the king. In childhood, he puzzled doctors. In manhood, he ruled the course of nature, walked upon the ways as pavement. He hushed the sea to sleep. He healed the multitudes without medicine and made no charge for his services. Never wrote a book. But perhaps all the libraries of the world could not contain the amount of books that have been written about this Jesus. He never practiced psychiatry, and yet he has healed more broken hearts than all the doctors far and near. The names of the proud statesmen of Greece and Rome have come and gone. The names of past scientists and philosophers and theologians have come and gone, but the name of this man multiplies more and more. Though time has spread 2,000 years between the people of this generation and the mockers at his uh, crucifixion, uh, he stands upon the highest pinnacle of heavenly glory, proclaimed of God, acknowledged by angels, adored by saints, feared by devils, as the risen personal Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, that babe born of a virgin born in Bethlehem stall who went to Calvary and died on the cross is risen from the dead. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me uh, along life's narrow way. Who is he, you ask? He's the name above all names. He's our mediator. There's one God and one mediator, the man Christ Jesus. He is all God and all man. He's not just the Son of God. He is God, 1 Timothy 2.5. He's God in human flesh, our high priest who mediated us between uh, our, our God and to himself. He reconciles us to him. Who is he? He's the triune God incarnate. Colossians 3.9 calls him the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Who is he? He is the one by whom we are reconciled uh, to God. All things are of God, who hath reconciled uh, to himself by Jesus. He hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin. Who is he? He's the healer of sins. He bare in his own body uh, uh, all this. And by his stripes we are healed. Great grace was upon all of those that heard him uh, preach. And who is he? He is God's lamb. Uh, he's able to save to, to the uttermost those that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. What is he like? Isaiah 53, 7 says he's meek. He's patient. He's without guile. He's spotless. He's benevolent. He's loving. Philippians 2, 8, he's humble. He's kind. He's altogether lovely. And the kings of earth have set themselves against him. While they've peddled death and presided over the slaughter of countless millions, he is light and life, our king he is, to all he brings. He's Lord of lords. He's king of kings. He's mighty God, Lord of everything. He's Emmanuel, the great I am, the prince of peace, who is the lamb. The beginning and the end, alpha and omega, but most of all, he's my best friend. Amen. And without him... It's the creator of the universe, Jesus, that said, without me, you can accomplish, you can do nothing. Look at the text again. Word number three. Nextly, please notice this word, ye. 
ye. Now, Brother Jonah could probably attest in America, there are some places uh, where uh, they won't say ye, they won't say uh, you, but if they're referring to a large group of people, they'll say something like you all or the contraction y'all. Y'all come. Y'all come to our camp meeting this summer. You know, y'all come or y'all, you all, right? And uh, so when you see the word ye in your Bible, uh, you can compare that to the word thou. Thou is singular, like you, pastor. Thou art the man, or whatever, right? In the story of David, right? Thou, right? That's referring singular uh, to one uh, person. Ye, that's referring to a group of people, like y'all, all of you. Okay, now look at that next word, can, can. That's not describing about whether or not we are able to do something good. There's none righteous, no, not one. Our best efforts are in the sight of God as filthy rags. Without me, ye can do nothing. Without me, ye may do nothing. There's a difference there. Pay attention uh, to the words. It's not what it says. It does not say, without me, ye may do nothing. Um, he's not allowing or permitting. It's literally beyond our power to do anything, accomplish anything significant or otherwise without God. Notice that next word. Without me, ye can do. Can we say that together? Without me, ye can do. All right, let's try that uh, one more time, but then we're going to say, without me, ye can do nothing. And then when, when, when I hear nothing, I really want to hear, okay? Let's read it together. Without me, ye can do nothing. Ready? Begin. Without me, ye can do nothing. One more time. Without me, ye can do nothing. Nothing without Jesus. You can't accomplish nothing. You can't do anything without him. You cannot accomplish anything without him. Nothing. Nothing means nothing. I studied this out in the Greek. It means zero, zilch, zippo, nada, big fat goose egg. Nothing. You can do nothing without Jesus. Okay? So ponder this. When Paul got saved, when the apostle Paul got saved, he wasn't seeking Jesus. But Jesus was seeking him. And the only reason that you, friend, that you're seeking the Lord is not because it's an idea you thought up all by yourself, but because He is the one that sought you. We love Him because He first loved us. We love Him because He first loved us. Romans 3.11, there is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. So then why do we have this hunger? Why do we have this thirst for God? Because He gave it to us. Had God not created us to have thirst, we would never get thirsty. We wouldn't just be walking down the street and say, you know what, I better get some liquid, <laughs> right? Um, the thirst in us is a gift of God, and the thirst uh, that is in you is a gift of God. It pleased God to do this. And so the grace that saved you is also from the God who loves you and is seeking after you. When God came into the Garden of Eden and asked Adam, where are you? There was still that desire in Adam's heart uh, to find uh, uh, God, but that question, where are you, wasn't the voice of a detective. That was the voice of a loving God. So he's seeking you today. When have you felt God seeking you? You're not made clean by trying to manufacture success within yourself, okay? You're made clean by taking heed to the word uh, that Christ has given to us. You're not justified uh, by the law, but by Jesus. I tell our teens all the time, 
You're not saved by walking old ladies across the street. You're not saved by donating pints of blood to the Red Cross. You're not saved by buying Girl Scout cookies. And if you were, that begs the question, how many old ladies you walk across the street? How many pints of blood do you donate to the Red Cross? And which cookie should you buy, the Savannahs or the Thin Mints? Right? Like, so, so really, you got to think to yourself, man, it's, if it's not by works of righteousness, which I have done, uh, what is it? <laughs> have you experienced a thirst for God in your life? And once that thirst is quenched, it is a miracle, and it is the miracle that validates the messenger. How much is it to earn the smile of God? For us, it doesn't cost anything, but it costs Jesus everything. To earn the smile of God, the cost, nothing. It's free. God loves Jesus, and if you accept Jesus, God will accept you. But he loves you regardless of where you are, regardless of where I am in my sin-spotted, sin-cursed state. God reached down from heaven and said, you know what, I love Kevin that much. I'm going to pull him out of the miry clay. And all I had to do was respond. If you've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, in your specific case, God is already pleased. He's overjoyed. He's glad. You're seated with him in heavenly places. And so history is his story. When God looks at Kevin and he looks at my life, he doesn't see all the bad stuff I did. He doesn't see my track record. He sees the track record of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not here to get cocky about that or arrogant about that, and that should never make someone arrogant. Just because they made a decision to follow Christ doesn't make that person better than anybody else. All we are beggars teaching other beggars how to find bread. It's all because of Jesus. Love covers the multitude of sins, and we love him because he first loved us. Christ loved us that much. God is always first. God is always previous. The reason why this truth so resonates with me is because there was a portion and a section of my life when I was trying to manufacture this success, just try really hard. Pastor, if I try really hard, maybe I can gain the validation and acceptance of my parents or my friends or God or whoever it is. I just want someone to love me. I just want someone to like me. And young person, maybe you're wondering to yourself, why, why, why do I feel so unloved? Why do I feel, why do I feel? And you're, 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 you're dwelling on your emotions and you're letting those dictate your decisions. We've all heard of Hudson Taylor. How many of you heard, heard of Hudson Taylor? In an independent Baptist crowd, I know so I should be seeing some hands, okay? Hudson Taylor, right. China Inland Mission, okay? You remember that. But not too many people know the name Jonathan Goforth. And even fewer people know the name of his wife, Rosalind. Rosalind Goforth. Now, Rosalind, naturally, was someone who wanted to serve the Lord. She had a heart for serving people. And when they moved to China, she's like, well, I'm going to learn Mandarin, I'm going to learn Cantonese, and I'm going to let these people know that Jesus loves them. But you know what happens as a minister? Minister just means helper. To minister just means to help. Leo, if I'm helping you maybe carry uh, stuff to the fellowship that we had on Sunday, hey, I'm ministering to you, I'm ministering to your family in some respect. Hey, I'm helping you out, man. Right? Or vice versa. If you're helping me set up a teen class or whatever, we're helping each other, right? Ministry has a way of just taking it out of you because you're given and you're given and you're given. And if you don't take the time to put on your oxygen mask first, you're not going to have the other person breathe. You'll be struggling for air. 
you'll be gasping for breath. Everyone needs to learn how to rest and, and to uh, come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden. And Jesus said, I will give you rest. There's a six to one principle. We have one day of rest, okay? Make good use of the days that God gives you to rest. Uh, Ros- Rosalind uh, Goforth was struggling with this. And she would just go, 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 go. I'm going to make everyone happy. And it soon became such that she became irritable. She became hard to be around. And the people she wanted to minister to, the people she wanted to help, those, those, those poor uh, Chinese and Mandarin and Cantonese speakers, they didn't want to be around Rosalind. And Rosalind got burdened. She thought to herself, man, I, I want to help these people. But, but for some reason, they don't even want to be around me. So what's the, what's the issue here? And, and she knew in her heart of hearts that, you know, maybe she wasn't right with God. And so if I snap back at this employee or this, this coworker, and, you know, they're not doing their job right, and I just tell them what for and how it is, then, you know, it's not that big of a deal. But she was listening to some preaching. She was doing some journaling. She was reading her Bible. And over time, God illumined this truth to her, that, hey, without me, you can't do nothing. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. The Christian life is not hard. It's not tough. It's not difficult. It's impossible. You can't live the Christian life on your own. So stop trying and start trusting. It's not of me. It's not of you. It's of the Lord. And Rosalind, she prayed, and she really spent some sincere time with the Lord. She got down her knees and she said, Lord, I've been so selfish. I've been wrong. I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? Fill me with thy spirit and help me to be a blessing. I'm blessed to be a blessing. I want to be a help to these people. But if they're not even around me, how can I bless them? How can I encourage them? How can I point them to Christ? How can I evangelize the lost? How can I tell them of the only one that can save them? And what happened was she used to be revolting and repulsive to all these people and suddenly she became a magnet. And to the point where her husband, Jonathan, literally walked into the room and, and shut, shut a door where Rosalind wasn't inside of that room, and he asked all the Chinese people around him, what has happened to Rosalind? What has happened to her? She's a different lady. And she, she went from this angry, irritable person uh, to suddenly just exuding the love of Christ. And everyone wanted to be uh, around someone who uh, they took knowledge had been with Jesus. That's called Revival. That's called change on the individual level. So visible was the difference. Turn to Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I know it's warm. I know uh, we're struggling through this, but God's been good to us in even letting us have a building. So just bear with it. We'll be over. God has a message for us. Just listen close. I appreciate the attention that you're giving God's word. Look at Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Let's read it out loud together, okay? So we don't fall asleep. Galatians 2, 20. Ready? Begin. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. What does it mean to be crucified? To be crucified is a death. So if I'm crucified with Christ, well, I'm still alive. My body 
You're still here. You can see me. My heart's still beating. I can still breathe. What part of you got killed? What part of you got killed? It's fascinating. It's not speaking of your body, but of your old man. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 17, He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Uh, the old man is the unregenerated part of you, your unsaved uh, old life personified, okay? So what union got separated, right? Uh, we were dead in trespasses and sins. We were dead uh, to God, separated uh, 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 from God and alive to sin. And self-dependence, listen, self-dependence only produces self-righteousness. One of the partners in this established relationship must die. Understand, Christ is the liberator. Christ died unto sin. Uh, he was in union with sin, with us. Therefore, when he died, I died. You've heard of the phrase to appropriate. That means to put on. And when you accepted Christ, when I accepted Christ, uh, we were placed into Jesus. We were placed into his uh, death. We were placed into his history. And so you have a new past. You have a new uh, future. That is a fact. So take time to be holy. You cannot try to be holy. The only way to be holy as God is holy is to spend time with the one who is holy. Psalm 91, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide or live under the shadow of the Almighty. Do you live there? Friend, do you live there? Brother Charles, do you live there? Miss, Mrs. Elliot, do you live there? Do I live there? Mrs. Turner, do you live there? The shadow of the Almighty. The Christian life is not mere imitation. It's impartation. Too many live contradicting lies, attempting, trying to manufacture this success. You cannot live for God by trying harder and pulling up yourself by your bootstraps. The person who lives in his presence simply lets God work. The Spirit doesn't just lead. He is the leader. Christ lives in me, but it's by faith. Without me, you can do nothing. When you read about the law of sin, Romans chapter 7 is comparable to gravity. It's a powerful downward force. Contrarywise, Romans 8 verse 2, the law of the Spirit is life in Christ Jesus, who hath made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of the Spirit is like a hot air balloon. It's like the law of hot air arising. We are in the hot air balloon basket of life. And really, Christ is our life. Your old man is dead. Your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then he shall also appear with him in glory. Colossians chapter 3. So, hey, you see the law of gravity? You're rising up with the law of hot air rising. Maybe you're seeing success. You didn't say that cuss word, right? You didn't, you didn't uh, uh, watch that movie. You, did, you didn't hang around that crowd. And you're doing good. You're, you're abiding in the Spirit. You're living in His presence. You gave out a track today because God was working on your heart and you responded. Great. But... As you look at the vast expanse around you, you begin to think to yourself, you know what, this Christian life is so hard, I can do this myself. And what happens is we step out of the basket, and as we come plummeting ground, we realize that there is a, another law. There is the law of the Spirit and the law of sin and death. But the law of hot air rising is stronger than, if you will, the law of gravity. The law of the Spirit is stronger, if you will, than the law of sin. So, friend, do not step out of the basket. Those who believe or depend on Christ alone are God's children. I am God's child. If you're saved, you are God's child. We will say, hey, 
He believed on Christ. He accepted Christ. To believe on Christ simply means to depend on Him. Okay? We don't see that word depend, if at all, in Scripture. But you see believe on. Do that mental switch in your head to North American vernacular if that helps you for a little bit in fully understanding and comprehending the grasp of the word there. Okay? I'm not saying change the Bible. But, hey, depend on Christ. The same way you're saved the same way you're sanctified. The same way you got him is the same way you grew up in him. The law of hot air rising. Without me, you can do nothing. Now, aren't you glad that salvation is simple? What if to go to heaven, all you had to do was to pay $100? What if to go to heaven, all you had to do, Max, was just to walk around the block? Well, not everyone has $100. And not everyone has two legs with which to walk. Salvation is simple. You don't have to have all the money in the bank. You don't have to have all your limbs. All you need to do is know the Lord and ask him to come and save you, to be your savior. Heaven's a wonderful place, but not everybody's going to heaven. Well, how do you know that, Kevin? Because of what Jesus said. Listen to Luke 13 and 24. Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. When once the master of the house is risen up and shut to the door, you begin to stand without and to knock at the door and saying, Lord, Lord, open up unto us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I know not whence ye are. Then you shall begin to say, we've eaten and drunk in your presence. And thou hast taught in our streets. And he shall say, I tell you, I know not whence ye are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. Baptism is not the door to heaven. Communion, ingesting grape juice and crackers, not the way to heaven. Going to church and putting money in a basket is not the way to heaven. There's only one door to heaven, and Jesus is that door. Not even the devil can overthrow what Jesus does. And so if we're trying to reach God by any other way, we will find the door of heaven locked tight to us. Have you believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? I hope you have. Understand that faith is not a work. It's dependence on the worker. It's dependence on the one who's doing the work. Are you born again? Are you, are you, a, are you a Christian? Because one second after death, you will be somewhere forever. And today, if you're not saved, hey, the door of salvation is open wide to you. So walk through it by faith. Come to Jesus today. Be saved today. While the door of salvation is open to you, it doesn't matter if you, you, you've been in church all your life and you've got to make a decision. It doesn't matter who's in the room. This is the most important decision. If you're listening online, you've got to make that decision. Today's a golden opportunity for you to be born again. Jesus is the way to heaven, but that way will not be open forever. Pastor Kevin, how does someone do that? How does someone enter that doorway? It's as simple as A, B, C, D. If you'd like to become a Christian today, letter A, admit that you're not perfect, that God sees me and you as sinners. B, believe that Jesus Christ is God and that he loves you. He died instead of you, came back to life so that you don't have to go to hell. Admit, believe, C, call. Call upon the name of the Lord. The scripture says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus as thou believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And D, do it now. Do it now. Because now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. His, eyes, or his arms are wide open. 
the door's wide open for you, won't be open forever, so walk through it this evening if you never have. If God's speaking to your heart and soul today, obey Him. Be saved from the wrath of God today. The Spirit says, come, come on, and whosoever will, let him drink of the water of life freely. Many of you are saved, and the way you got Jesus is the way you grew up in Him. It's all through Him. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. He testifies of Christ. He magnifies Christ. And He enables us to live His life, not yours. And so it's not a matter of my best for God. It's a matter of His best through me. Not I, but Christ. My old self has been killed with Christ. When Christ died, I died. It's no longer me that's living. Now Christ lives in me. Without me, you can do nothing. He didn't just give himself for you. He gave himself to you. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. You are dead. Your life is hid with Christ in God. The real you is not in your depression, not in your sin, not in your addiction. The real you is in Christ. Even good things done with good intentions can be worth zero. The arm of flesh will fail you. All our righteousnesses, Isaiah said, are as filthy rags. So be like Moses. If thy presence, Lord, carry us not up hence, let us not go forward. If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. Pray like Moses, Exodus 33, 15. If thy presence go not with me, carry me not up hence. Iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. We need each other, and so be in church, okay? And we need God. Church is not about the program, it's about the person. God doesn't just want you right with him on Sunday. He wants you and me to be right with him every day. Just how pure does God want me to be? Well, look at Jesus. He is perfect and without transgression. Hudson Taylor wrote, when I cannot read, when I cannot think, when I cannot even pray, I can trust. It's not reading more or trying harder that makes a mature Christian. It's a deeper dependence on the strength that Christ alone gives. I know the hour is desperate and dark. We see all sorts of things in the culture and media uh, being uh, uh, really preached and proliferated. But Christian, take a strong love and stand for what is right. Instead of cursing the darkness, make a decision, I'm going to light a candle. Yeah. Pastor Chapel once wrote, once, uh, really, when the world observes Christians, they assume that we are a reflection of the one we follow. Nothing hurts the faith like inconsistent Christians. Skeptics and scoffers may so doubt, but they cannot cause nearly as much damage to Christ's name as one who claims Christ, but whose life undermines the very message of the gospel. Now, knowing all this, we know that knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. Here, here we are. We, we've obtained all this intellectual knowledge, and we have mental and intellectual assent. Yeah, that's true. But how do we apply it without becoming proud? Because knowledge puffs up, but charity or Christ, Christ edifies. Christ builds up. It's easy to become prideful. Charles Spurgeon had his own Bible college. And so he and all the other big shots, the administration, were listening to the preacher boys. They were listening to them preach. And um, an aspiring preacher, a young man, he climbed the steps to the pulpit and began to wax eloquent about the armor of God. Ephesians chapter 4 through 6, and he was incredible. 
And as he spoke, you could hear the armor slide and clink into place. However, uh, when, when some people talk, sometimes it's evident that pride has arisen in their hearts. And so as they watched this young man, they knew he was doing well, and he knew he was doing well, and man, did he know it. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit. Near the conclusion of the sermon, the young man leaped off the platform and grandly spoke, and now, where is the enemy? And Charles Spurgeon was sitting beside somebody, and he leans over, and he says, he's inside the armor. Okay? Don't be proud. Don't be proud. Careful. Pride goeth before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. And once you're humble, man, we can become humble, or, or proud, rather. We can become proud of our humility. We're done, boys and girls and uh, ladies and gentlemen. In like seven minutes, we're going to pray, okay? Before we do, I want everyone to take a deep breath. Just breathe in. All right, breathe out. All right. Now, if you did that, God's not done with you, okay? He has a goal. It's a plan. It's a purpose for your life. Remember, God loves you. He loves you too much to let you stay as you are. He wrote to us all, without me, you can't do nothing. Let's pray.